Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Today we have Lori Marini. Lori is a breast cancer warrior who understands firsthand what it takes to get beyond the fear and find the courage to live a life on her own terms. She now teaches how to keep a positive mindset during a life crisis and how to reinvent your life for the better. Welcome, Lori. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to have you. Such a so lovely to meet um, a a fellow warrior, and I really am excited to hear your story. And I, you know, I opened my heart to it. <laughs> so yeah, let's just start. Like, it must. It all often these amazing life journeys, you know, that end in such beautiful leadership. Start with something we need to overcome that's pretty huge, right? So for you, was that breast cancer? It was. Um, And my journey is a little bit different for the fact that for over 20 years, I've worked in healthcare as a pathologist assistant, which means that I was trained in the study of cancer. Um, So I supported patients. I supported patients by being part of their diagnostic process helping them with clinical trials and research um, that once I found myself on the other side of the table, I was really overwhelmed. And I, it was a part of the cancer world that I was not familiar with. Um, And I found it to be very, very overwhelming. Yeah. So you mean just the whole diagnosis and you know, what to do next and that kind of thing. And yeah, the entire process from honestly, from, you know, getting my mammogram on was just like, wait, what are you saying? So part of what happened was when I was 40, I had gone to my primary care physician. And at the end of um, our session, she's like, you know, you really should go get screened this year. Well, life happens. And I didn't really go until I knew I hadn't go and see her again. So I showed up at my appointment with my primary care and I'm like, I know I didn't go and get my screening. I promise you I'm going to go like I'm going to make this happen. And she turned to me and she's like, Lori, she's like, no problem. They just changed the guidelines to 45. No worries. You just bought yourself another four years. And I was like, huh. You know, I, I work with breast cancer all day long. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. But life gets busy and you just, I kind of was like, okay, whatever. Up until the point that I was startled by a dream. I was woken up by this dream that I had cancer. It was all across my body. And I remember calling my friend being like, you know what? I have to go and get this mammogram. I need to make it happen. Like hold me accountable. And in hindsight, I don't know why the mammogram is what I went for it's just, I kind of knew. So I, um, I was working in a uh, cancer center in Boston and 
there's an area in Boston that is just one hospital after another. So I went across the street. They actually had an appointment for me to go and get my screening done the very next day, which never happens. I went, I got my screening. I was like, okay. And then they called me back. They're like, you know, we need more imaging and being in the field. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay. I went, you know, they're giving me contrast. They're doing ultrasound. They're doing all these things. And I'm not thinking anything of it until I looked over there on image number 65, imaging my lymph nodes. And I see her measuring my lymph nodes. And that's the moment for me. Like nobody needed to tell me you have cancer. I just knew based on what she was doing. Mm. Um, They measure your lymph nodes when there's a concern, when they feel that they are um, abnormal. And so I was like, okay, she wouldn't be doing that unless I had something show up. Right. And um, it was, that was the moment for me where I was like, okay, what do I want to do with my life? You always say you live powerfully, but do you really like, what do you want to change? What, if you make it out alive, what is it going to look like? So in that moment, I stared up at that beautiful light that they have above all those beds. And I was just like, I'm, you know, I wrote my will. I wrote where I wanted to go, what I wanted my life to look like. And like said a prayer of like, let's just make this happen. And within two weeks, I was in surgery. I had to make a lot of decisions that I was not aware of, such as did I want to preserve my eggs in case I get chemotherapy? You know, um, do I want implants or or no implants? Um, And, you know, the universe always sets you up powerfully in the fact that I was working at the time for a world-renowned breast oncologist. So he was my first phone call of like, what am I doing? Right. Like, (laughs) and he, and he, he was like, Lori, you're being a little bit too aggressive. Like you're okay. Cause I I had said to him, I'm like, I really think I'm going to go for a bilateral mastectomy. Like I always said, if I was ever in this position, you have one shot to get it right. So I'm just going to do it. And everybody tried to talk me out of it. Um, but my biopsies, the way I presented, you know, it was the best course of treatment. But I was really also surprised that they were trying to be conservative. Um, and in my world, I'm like, we we base the surgeons, you know, based on the specimens that we receive in pathology. And I was kind of like, I've seen it go wrong where patients have to go back over and over and over again for surgery. And I just didn't want that. So mm-hmm. here they are telling me that I'm being super aggressive. And in my world, I'm like, no, this is standard. Like it's what I always thought I would do. Um, so fast forward, you know, the entire experience of going through the motions of like going to doctor visits and going to the plastics guy, the oncologist, the psychiatrist, like the social worker going through all of that, you're kind of like a robot. You just go through the motions. And then it's not until they all kind of go away that you're like, what now? That's for me, like a good year, two years after is when I had to face my emotional part of it. And that's what I found to be even more um, difficult. 
Yeah, like finding yourself again and being free of the fear, I imagine. Exactly. And so that's where I found, you know, we could we could go through and part of what I do for my clients is I read their pathology report, I let them understand what everything means. And then, you know, they make the choice of how they want to move forward with their team. And, you know, if they need support finding a team, then we do that too. But um, a lot of the work is like, okay, so you've just dealt with this really traumatic thing. Like Mm -hmm. now what, what do you want? And how are we going to get there? Um, And that's the really great part about it. And that's what I really love is because no matter what, there's so much uncertainty and a lot of us don't deal well with that, um, that we need to empower ourselves in being okay with the gray aspects by making sure that the things that we are truly clear on are where we are thriving, if that makes any sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, there's that initial shock Mm -hmm. that you have to lay to rest or deal with somehow so that it doesn't continue to influence your life so strongly that, you know, you, you can't reinvent yourself. You're stuck. Right. Right. So did you, did you decide to change your whole life at this point or what happened next? Yeah. So as I was healing, I realized that being patient forward working with metastatic cancer patients every day didn't, you know, wasn't what I could do at that time. Now that I had a different understanding of it. Um, I found myself crying on the elevator every day. It was just, you know, in between patients, it was just really difficult. So I shifted gears. I created a job in a biotech company where I was still able to use my knowledge, but not be patient forward. Um, and then, uh, I uprooted my life. I left the city. I wanted, I always said that I wanted to live by the beach. So a couple of stops in there. Um, I eventually landed. I live in Tampa, Florida now um, on the beach. And so I created that for myself, my new company, my coaching company, where I support other people going through a similar situation Um, that was born out of this. I have a really amazing husband. He's just so fantastic. Um, And that relationship started six months before my diagnosis. And we are standing here today over five years. um, And that in itself is an accomplishment. So one, one of the things I learned is that it, you know, we need to keep moving forward in whatever capacity we can move forward because if we don't keep doing that, then we're going to settle into the fear component. So right. we have we have to find that courage to take the steps to keep moving forward. And a lot of times we'll do that by finding gratitude, by finding faith, by finding, um, you know, I like to call it a warrior mindset where, you know, as a survivor, it's kind of like, you're at the effects of it, but like being a warrior, you're just, you're prepared for battle. You're willing to take on whatever's coming your way. Um, And that's, you know, how my mindset shifted is that, you know what, I cannot control how this is going to go, but I'm going to give it my all and give it my best shot and get informed and 
have a support system like no other. Yeah. And that and all these changes were possible through that. Right. So is that one of the first things you teach people that are going through a crisis is to make a plan to move forward and probably following their excitement, like you wanted to move to the beach. There has to be some component of it that's something to look forward to, right? Some light in the, in the darkness. Absolutely. So we first start off by having them, you know, um, share what it is that they need support around with their treatments, with where they, you know, how they're feeling about their current state. Right. If they don't like their oncologist, then we'll work on that. If they feel like they're not putting enough effort on their nutrition or their, you know, we'll work on that. Um, and it's when they feel heard that we can then create this vision of, okay, what do you want to do now? Right. Because part of what, how we are as humans is that it's not until we feel we are truly heard and gotten by somebody that the constraints and the fear and the lack of power goes away. So one of the things that I do is I just really support them by my listening and listening for the greatness of what they want for their lives. And sometimes people don't change anything other than recognizing I have today and I need to make today the best day. And just, it's it's a emotional change, if that makes any sense. I hope that resonates with people who are listening because we have to stand in the power of who we are as a being. Right. And especially as women, I find your um, comment on being heard very powerful. Because we're often putting ourselves second, you know, and rarely does someone stop to listen for more than five, 10 minutes, let alone, you know, an hour or more of how your life has been and how you're feeling right now and how this feels. So, yeah, it's very powerful just to listen and have someone be heard and seen, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I could tell you, that through my journey, through my healing, my dad then got diagnosed with multiple myeloma. So I then went from healing myself to being his caregiver, bringing him all over, you know, driving him everywhere to then, you know, um, taking care of my immediate family as well. You know, my husband and, and our dogs. And I was always putting myself last. And it wasn't until I got another scare that I'm like, I can't do this. It's And I, I had to learn that it's not selfish for me to meet my needs first. It's like that oxygen mask they always tell you about when you're on a plane. Like you have to take care of yourself first. So I've now learned to listen to my body. And that's the other thing that I support my clients with. Like, listen to yourself. How are you feeling today? What do you want to do as opposed to what do you feel obligated in doing? And, you know, I allow myself rest. I feel rest is just as important as action that, you know, the things were always going to be there. So if today is one of those days where you just need to, you know, read that book for 30 minutes and just have some alone time, 
I, I now allow that. Whereas before I did not, I did not at all. I always felt so guilty. And I always thought about all the other things I needed to be doing. And now I'm like, you know what? This is my time. I deserve time for myself too, just as much as everybody else deserves my time. Yeah. And you really can't, you know, hear what your body needs unless you're willing to take that alone time and the quiet time. So it's super important, you know, like more important than continuing with tasks, but getting ourselves to slow down to do it is, you know, sometimes it needs this kind of scare. Yeah. I mean, and that's what I learned from this is, you know, there's that, there's a saying out there that make time for your health or your health will have like force you to make time or something like that. Mm. Um, And that's really true because I was, I thought I was doing all the things, right? Like I was healthy. I didn't have any um, family history. I did exams, you know, self-exams all the time. My primary care physician did an exam and never felt anything. Um, You know, I, I thought I was eating right. I was exercising. And what I was not managing was working the 12 hours of fast paced, high stress, you know, lots of demands. I wasn't working on that component of the release of all that pressure that I had. So we sometimes don't think about everything that we're doing in life. We think that, okay, going to the gym for five minutes is enough. Like, it's okay. I made it there today. Like, that's amazing. But then at the same time, too, if you're not listening to yourself and what you need, your body's going to make you listen at some point. Yeah. Now, tell us how important it is to be heard. I know when someone's going through something difficult, it's human nature to almost run, right? Because we don't know what to say and it's uncomfortable. But in truth, all we have to do is just be there for the other person you know, in whatever capacity that is. So yeah, just give us some more tips on that and experience you've had. Oh, I've had, yeah, this is such a great question because I've had such kind ears where they just didn't say anything and they just allowed me to be that it allowed me to open up. Um, And I think that that's one of the best things that you can do for somebody you know, we don't want anybody to be part of this camp, right? Like we don't want you to be here. If you find yourself here, we will support you as, you know, we'll welcome you with open arms and support you. Um, But what we ultimately want is we don't want people to experience what we've experienced, you know, that fear that comes along with facing your mortality. So the first and foremost is if you don't know what to say, like, don't say anything, you know, just, just be with them, hug them, cry with them if they're crying. Um, for me, one of the worst things that happened to me is like people saying really lousy things to me that it made me shut down and made me not open up at all to people. And, um, it had an impact because I did not fully disclose to my community that I was going through what I was going through for at least a year because of what somebody had said to me that really just put me off. Cause I was afraid that that's all I was going to get. 
Yeah. So we, we, yeah, like we don't want pity. Pity's the worst thing. We don't want, um, you know, you did this to yourself for whatever reason, right? Like one of the, one of my near and dear friends, she wasn't thinking, but she's like, you know, you, this is happening to you because you've never had children, right? Like this is going to happen to me too. I don't have any kids. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I didn't know what to do with that. So like I stopped talking to people about it, right? Or people like breaking down. And it's like, I get it. This is really terrible. Like, but I'm the one going through it. I appreciate you for having emotions on it, but keep it together because I can't keep you together too, right? right. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> so I learned really quickly who I could who I could go to for support and who was not going to be able to handle. Well, let me rephrase that. Who I was not going to be able to handle their emotions because I couldn't handle my emotions in that time period. Um, so if you have somebody that's going through this in your life, just get like, all we want to do is if we start talking, like stop talking because a lot of us do not open up about what we're really feeling. Um, we sometimes find that we are being talked to, we're getting, you know, we're getting talked at, I should say, we're getting pitied. We, we have a lot of negatives like, oh, you know, um, I had somebody say to me, well, at least you're going to get a really great boob job from it. And I'm like, really? That's really what you're saying to me right now? Um, you know, like t-shirts of like your boobs are my boobs are trying to kill me, like trying to be funny when I was not ready to be funny no. um, because I was still in so much pain. So again, first and foremost, if you don't know what to say, just be like, I'm here for you. And, you know, be straight. Like, I don't know how I can help you, but let me learn. Um, be that unbiased ear that they need. Um, if you want to physically do something for them, then tell them, like, I'd love to go grocery shopping for you. Tell me what you need. I'd love to come and clean your house or do your laundry or, you know, um, fill your car up with gas, even though a lot of the times we're not able to drive after a certain amount of time. Um, just like, I'll take your dogs for a walk. I'll take your kids out for the day, you know, anything at all. I'll, I'll change the sheets on your bed, right? Like there's so many little things that we cannot do or that are, is overwhelming. Um, our brains go into shutdown mode for some of us that the, you know, having dishes in the sink is like the last thing that we think about. Like we just, so if you want to be a support, don't say, oh, call me if you need anything. We're never going to call you. Um, go ahead and offer something for them. Bring them to the mall. Get Bring them to get their nails done, right? Like whatever you think that will have them feel some normalcy in their life is what we should do. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. And random acts of kindness. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, like, we're not going to tell you like, Oh, come over, blah, blah, blah. Like there's so many of us that just won't do it. Um, and we need the help, right? Like yeah. I, I was 
I was stuck in my home for 16 weeks in like a T-Rex position. I couldn't even open a bottle of water. So it's like, it takes something for people to go through this. Yeah. And then there's the whole, right. You're in this position. You don't really want people to see you like this and that you need help, but you can't ask for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's really must feel so vulnerable. It was really hard because especially if you're super independent, I was a really independent person who I did everything for myself. I never asked for help. Mm. And here I am in a position where I can't bathe myself. I can't change my clothing. I can't change my bandages. I couldn't cook. I couldn't open the fridge door, like, you know, little things. And that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, if you know that somebody's about to go through this and they're about to have surgery, then go to their house and take down, support them in taking down the things that are at a higher level that you know they're going to need because they're not going to be able to reach for it. Um, maybe, you know, buy them. Like I had to wear clothes that were twice or three times the size because I couldn't put them over my head. So I had to come from my feet and over my hips to put like a shirt on. Um, things like that, that you, you may not think of. Right. And just being there, you, you see them, it becomes quite obvious how to help. Absolutely. And it's hard to be seen that way. Yeah. Right. Our pride gets in the way. It's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Through spending a lot of time with patients that going through really, really difficult things, I learned just to not speak connect through the heart and truly listen. And, you know, you just help them find the next step Well, they come to it, right. They, they, they see it because you've allowed them to slow down and, and, and just being there with them helps them rebalance. Yeah. And a good way to maybe ask it, if you don't know how you could support them, is just asking them like, you know, how can I support you? what do you need? Um, And that's how, you know, with my clients, that's like the biggest thing is being able to just be that sounding board, be that safe space for them to, to share all the things that they may not want other people to know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it comes in little steps and trust. Exactly. So Lori, you say to be your own health advocate. What do you mean by that? Um, If you don't like the answer, you know, um, find a different person to ask the question to. So first and foremost, you know your body better than everybody, anything, anyone else. So if you think something is going on, Don't stop at the, oh, you're crazy. There's nothing there conversation. Keep going until somebody is willing to really hear you. The other thing is that a lot of times um, I find that because medical professionals are so busy, they sometimes don't hear you. Right. So think about when you go to the office, they're already behind schedule. They only have 15 minutes allotted per patient. They have to deal with all the informatic systems that they have to, you know, they're more on the computer, you know, 
-hmm. they're spending more time on the computer than they are with you. So make sure to write down your questions. That way you don't forget before you go there, be prepared, write down your questions. If you do not understand something that they're saying, especially nowadays with how complicated medicine has become, um, ask them to break it down for you. Be like, I need plain English. Like, what are you saying? Um, make sure you walk out of there knowing exactly what the next steps are, what you're dealing with, um, what it could potentially look like. And if you're unsure, then ask for resources. So a lot of times there are also, um, you know, holistic resources like Reiki and, um, you know, art therapy, different things that they may not make readily available or may not make you aware of that are there. But ultimately it's, we are responsible for making sure that the care we receive is according to our standards. So be a demand for people to hear you and to support you. It's, is definitely, um, is definitely needed. I have seen a lot of people really just kind of go with the flow, putting a hundred percent trust in their medical team and then having them not be happy with how things turned out. Right. So yeah, educate yourself for sure. Yeah. And, and in many ways, I think is what you're saying. Things yeah. will feed your spirit, your, your body, your mind, because they're all included in getting better. And that one 15 minute visit definitely isn't going to, you know, give you enough. <laughs> exactly. Right. So figure out what you as an individual need and make sure it happens. I know for myself, um, you know, I had gone in there. Part of my therapy was tamoxifen and it gave me um, high anxiety, insomnia, like you name it. I felt it. Um, And they just kept wanting to give me more medication. And I'm like, I don't want more medication. I don't even want the medication you have me on. Like there has to be other resources. And I had to be a demand for it. I had to go and look for it myself. So there are a lot of resources available for you to get information as to what else is an option for you in your healing. Yeah. And to, and to counteract that, not add to it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. A more natural route, which is where where I would lean. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the next steps you have people take? So you know, originally it was just making sure they're looked after in the moment. And then, and then what else do you teach them? Oh, I love this. So we talk about, you know, after you're just really present to this is what I'm dealing with and you're present to, this is what I want to create for myself. Then we get into how we're going to get you there. And first and foremost, the first powerful thing is, you know, getting yourself into a state of gratitude. We have another day that we're able to even be on this earth to be able to think about the things that we want to do. Um, We also talk about celebrating the wins, right? Celebrate the small wins. You woke up today, you made your bed, you took a shower, you made yourself a cup of coffee. Like I am 
I am forever grateful in that for the fact that I know there was a time where I could not bathe myself. So I remind myself of how far I've come. Mm. So that way I don't, I don't regress to this is hopeless. And um, so definitely celebrate your wins and define your goals, right? So who are you now? You're not the same person from when you were a week ago, a month ago, a year ago. Take inventory. Who is in your life? What are you doing with your time? Are you living where you want to live? Do you want to, do you need to add, you know, different groups of people in your life? Do you need to add different activities in your life? What is going to make you feel like you are truly living an abundant life? And we really do a deep dive into these conversations of like, what does it mean to be you? And how will you feel fulfilled? Um, and then we set you up to win. We'll go through, we create a plan, and we're going to get you to achieve exactly what it is that's going to just light you up from inside. Um, and then the other thing, too, that we really work on is forgiveness and giving yourself grace. So forgiveness for you, forgiveness for the other people in your life that maybe didn't show up the way you needed them to, um, forgiveness for your circumstances, forgiveness for the things that you could have, would have, should have, right? And also then recognizing that you're just human and you did the best that you could at the time. So now it's time to just give yourself grace on that and get really clear moving forward. What do you want that to be like? Right. So beautiful. <laughs> because it's all part of shifting that inner terrain, right? Yeah. And, and it that shift can be so healing. We cannot discount how healing it could be. So it's it can be quite miraculous. It, it really can because we can't control what we're, what's going to happen to us. You know, I, I joke around about it. It's that saying like you could go and get hit by a bus tomorrow, yet you're living in fear that your cancer is going to come back. Right. So between, between now and then, how do you want to live your life? Cause right now get being worried that it's going to come back is literally getting you hit by a bus, right? It's the same impact you're not truly living. You're not in the moment. You're just really concerned about what's coming in the future. Yeah. And that fear and that constant mindset is, uh, is a gravitational pull, right? So we have to realize where our thoughts go, energy flows. Uh, yeah. Right? So what you're teaching is just so powerful. I love it. And, and it, we also then have to remember that it's more than just us, right? Our support team, you know, our, our significant others, the people that are supporting us in this journey, our families, our friends, you know, our tribe, our, there's also an impact to them. So one of the things that I've taken on for this year is contribution, right? Contribution to myself, contribution to others. So I now look for different ways of how can I be of service and a contribution to my spouse, 
right? What does it mean for me to show up and be the best version of myself for them? Like, what are their needs? They've taken care of me for so long. What can I do to take care of them? And a lot of times we're so self-absorbed because, you know, we're licking our wounds of what, from what we're dealing with. And I'm not minimizing what people are dealing with. Like we're dealing with a lot, but sometimes it's like, we have to look outward and recognize the people who have been standing by our side. And I love this, Lori, because often when I've been in my deepest states of despair, helping others is the way that I get lifted back up. And yeah. you you don't expect that. Just how 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 powerful that lift can be. And the and the universe helps you when you say, How can I be of service to others and get outside of your own, you know our own, we all have that pity box or that, you know, it's all about me, but somehow when you go beyond it, it, it just feeds you. Yeah. And, and this is the thing too. I want to make sure that people understand like the pity box is okay, right? Have a whole day of it, Mm -hmm. have a week of it if you want, but don't live there. So when I am feeling a sort of way about my circumstances, I give myself a time. Okay, so for today or for the next hour, I'm just going to be really angry with the world right now. And I'm going to have it be okay that that's how I'm feeling. And then I'm going to get over it. And then I'm going to go about my day. So we can't, it's like not about stuffing things down. It's about just acknowledging that they're there. And you know what? Yeah, you have every right to be upset. You have every right to be upset over your divorce, over the infidelity, over the cancer, whatever it is that you're dealing with. But we have a loss of power when that's where we live. And you know what? You're better than that. Your life is meant to be lived fully according to your standards. So you living in that pity box for longer than an allotted time is no longer serving you. Yeah. That's brilliant to give it a time (laughs) because then you don't, you know, you don't feel guilty too, because we should be allowed to feel, feel, these things and we're not pushing them down. So I just, I love what you're saying. And another thing I'll do is say, just for today, I'm not going to worry about such and such just for today. I'm going to live fully and enjoy whatever, right. Which also helps because then you're giving yourself permission. Maybe tomorrow I'll feel the other way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. So it allows, it allows choice, like within your own spirit. Oh, hon, that's awesome. So are there any other beautiful tips you could share? Um, yeah, I think as humans, we use pain to propel ourselves forward. So the one thing that I want the take home message, I guess, for today is it's okay for you to create whatever it is you create. It's okay for you to forgive whoever you need to forgive and keep them in your life if they've wronged you. Or, you know, it's okay for you to leave whoever you need to leave and move on. And and as long as you're doing things according to what's right for you, you know, we want to lay our heads on the pillow at night and just be at peace with ourselves. 
So, you know, if somebody has wronged you, like a lot of times, especially with cancer, there's infidelity and there's a high divorce rate because of whatever reason. Well, you know, if you choose to stay with your spouse and get recommitted to each other, that's really okay because they're going through this with you too. And if you choose to leave, then you choose to leave and that's okay too. Like there's no right way on how to do this. The only right way is according to what you are willing to forgive and move forward with. Beautiful. Why do you, you know, that infidelity rate is, is interesting, isn't it? I think spouses are so afraid of losing their partner. There's an unconscious search for someone else. Is that perhaps the reason for it. So if you feel, if you feel um, some sympathy for them, it might help. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I, in a, yes, I, I would agree with that in a way. And then I also think like sometimes it is so difficult for our spouses who are not going through what we're going through that they just need their own version of escape. And so for whatever time they're just going to do whatever it is that's going to make them feel good Especially if, you know, like I'll lay a scenario down, like say I'm really just unhappy. I'm, I'm introverted within myself. I'm not creating anything for myself. I'm just really difficult and I'm not making anybody wrong for that. We've all been there right Mm -hmm. in that moment, how we may not then even see our partner. We might not even recognize that they're there. Right. We might be just going through the motions. And it's that, um, you know, this will this type of trauma will bring people will have two things happen. It either brings people closer or brings you further apart. And it doesn't mean it stays that way. But for me, like how I see it, too, is that they're just dealing with what they're dealing with and how they feel they could deal with it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, you know, it's like the people who choose to not follow their doctor's advice. They go and they do their own thing. Like that's their choice. Um, And I think it's really difficult for the partners out there who feel helpless, like you said, um, to just maybe have just a small point of normalcy. And it's, it's at the effect of other people, but like, like you said, subconsciously, it may just be like that they need They need to be seen and heard. Right. And then all of this, we realize no one is perfect. Yeah. Not us, not them. Right. And some of that for, you know, some of letting go of those programs that where we think everything is perfect is part of moving forward. Yeah. And And the forgiveness. (laughs) And it's part of maturity too, right? Like I often think about when I was younger, you know, if I had gone through something with a partner, you know, when I was like 18 or, you know, the way I would react to it now would be totally different. But a lot of times we think of what we believed when we were 18 is really what we believe right now. And we don't often take a step back and think about it. Like, do I really feel that way now? Or is it, do I still stand in, in that, in that thought process right there? And, um, because a lot of times it's just an automatic response. Yeah. Yeah. And just realizing that it can evolve and it can change and it doesn't have to be 
Yeah. We thought at 18, right? Yeah. There's no right or wrong. No. And that, yeah. and that's just part of it. Yeah. What a beautiful conversation, Lori. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for allowing me to just be here with you. And how do people find out more if they wanted to reach out for support or to maybe become mentored by you? Uh, thank you. So everything, um, all of my offerings are on my website, lorimarini.com. You will find my um, all my social media handles, my emails, a phone number where I actually answer. So please leave me a message. And there's also my podcast. So I hope it's okay. But for any yes. any person that's interested in coming and sharing their story, I have a podcast called Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors. So I have warriors, I have caregivers, I have professionals um, that come in and share their story and what it was like and how they supported themselves and others in the process. How beautiful. Constant inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Lori. And for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out. <laughs>